Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu, Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this chance to gather in your house today. We, we thank you for your blessings, for your presence, for your faithfulness. Father, we just ask for, for your words to speak through and for you to give us ears to hear what you have to say today. Father, we love you and we praise your name. And we ask you um, all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Okay, so this week is a double Parsha. Now, last year was a leap year, so these were broken in two. And um, we got a chance to look at them independently. But this year, they're, they're kind of smushed together. Um, and if you take the meaning of the names and you push them together, you get, after the death, the holy ones. Or, if you're in the South, you get, after the death, y'all are holy. So, between these two readings, seriously, there is so much to dig into. And I always have a hard time figuring out what to focus on. It seems like I've, I've talked on this passage quite a bit. The rabbi and, and Danielle are usually out of, out of town about the same times every year, so I know I've talked on this Parsha before. But as I read through it this time, you know, I was having a hard time. I mean, there's this death of Aaron's sons, which in and of itself is hard enough. And then the aftermath uh, of, of that. And then you've also got this description of Yom Kippur for the very first time. But as I was reading through, I found myself drawn back to one fundamental concept, and that's holiness. Um, and... Parsha Kedoshim, which means the holy ones, begins in Leviticus 19. So I want to um, take a look at verses 1 and 2. If y'all want to open your Bibles, you can follow with me. I'm going to try out a little Hebrew here because I want you to be able to, to follow the, the connection of these words. So, verse 1, Vedaber Adonai Moshe Lamor. And Adonai spoke to Moshe, saying, Deber el kol adad b'nei Yisrael ve'amarta. Speak to the whole assembly of the children of Israel and say to them, Alechem kedashim, tihu ke kadush, ani Adonai Elohehim. Be holy, for holy am I, the Lord your God. He says, kedoshim tihu, which means be holy. So what does it mean to be holy? You know, as I was preparing for today, I found myself asking the Lord, Lord, am I holy? What does that mean to be holy? I mean, if I, if I think, am I holy? My first reaction is no, I'm not holy. You know, I'm pretty far from it. And I get these images in my mind of, you know, these pious nuns wearing, you know, the, the habit, the covering, and, and they're robed in this religiosity. And, and that's kind of what comes to mind when I first think about what is holy. Maybe you think about monks, you know, folding their hands and kneeling in prayer. Or maybe you picture the, the Hasidim or the, or the ultra-Orthodox Jews with the long curly payos and the black suits and they're davening at the Western Wall. And as I played through these images in my mind, 
I began to realize that our concept of holiness has been hijacked. At least mine has anyway. I don't know. I mean, if, if that's some of the images that came to your mind when I said holiness, raise your hand. Don't let me stand up here by myself. That's right. Okay. So I asked myself, where did we get this concept from? Where did this come from? Who taught us that this is what holiness looks like? And how can we ever hope to be holy if we don't even know what holiness is? This partial lays some good groundwork for God's definition of holiness. Now, somebody said, I don't know who, it might have been Dr. Phil, I'm not sure, but somebody said there's three sides to every story, yours, theirs, and the truth. So I've just told you my side, my impression of what holiness was, and I'm sure each of you have your own mental picture. So what we need to do, what we're really after is the truth. So we need to find out what God's perspective on this is. I mean, after all, this Parsha is called Kedoshim, the Holy One, so this should be a great place to start, right? So let's take a quick look uh, at an overview of what the text has to say about being holy. If you continue reading in chapter 19, what follows is a list of laws and instructions. So let's just see what we have here. There's laws about mom and dad. Okay, that's good. There's laws about leftovers. You know, leftovers are a big deal at my house, so that's important. You will get in a lot of, of mess from eating someone else's leftovers, so leftovers is, is good. Let's cover that. Now, there's also laws about crossbreeding and hybridizing plants and animals. Well, GMOs are a big deal at my house, too. So if any of you know me, you know that's a big deal to me. So I'm reading this list, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is interesting. Now, there's also laws about the process of breeding humans. And if my husband were here, he'd tell you that's also a big deal at our house. There's laws about grand theft. There's laws about larceny and perjury, price gouging and entrepreneurial integrity. There's laws about what food and provision should be designated for the poor and a few others. But I got to tell you, when I think about what might holiness mean or look like to God, none of these things were on the list. In fact, this list seems to be a bunch of just arbitrary laws that really have no common theme. But we know that's never the case, right? And when we get down to verse 26, we find a clue. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26 says, V'yatim li kadoshim, you shall become holy unto me. Ki kadusha ni Adonai, for I the Lord am holy. Va'avdil erchem min ha'amim liyot li, and have severed you out from the other people to become my own. You see, he says, we shall be holy unto him. Not just holy, but to him. Because he separated us out from all the other peoples to be his. Now, that word separated is a fascinating word. And the word that's used in this verse for severed out is the verb va'avdil, which va is and, it's an uh, addition onto the word. But avdil, and it means and separated you. Now, this is from 
the root verb, which is badal, which can be pronounced vadal. Bait can be a B sound or a V sound. And it means to separate or divide, to distinguish, and to make a distinction between two things. The more I studied holiness in Scripture, the more I saw that the concepts of separateness and holiness were intrinsic to each other. In fact, without this act of avdal, this, this separation, there is no holiness. There cannot be holiness without separation. In Hebrew, these concepts are expressed as kedusha and havdalah, holiness and separateness. And kedusha is actually a product of havdalah. The very energy or essence of kedusha or holiness is created by and derived from havdalah or separation. Now, in defining this connection a little further, I became really fascinated by this verb. If abdal means to separate or to divide, then habdala is its noun counterpart, and it means that which is separate or the separated. Now, if you've hung around the synagogue for any length of time, you've probably heard this word before, habdala. It's the name for the ritual close of Shabbat ceremony. You see, at the end of Shabbat, which we're going to do together on the 14th at the Wet and Wild Shabbat, we mark the end of this holy day. We literally separate it out from all the other days. And we, we mark it with lighting of candles and with blessings over wine and things like that. But then I remembered that at the beginning of Shabbat, we do something very similar. Now, we celebrate and do this every week together, right after service, when we come up front and we, we have the wine and break the bread together. Now, most of you may call that light afternoon refreshments, but its technical name is Kiddush, which comes from Kadosh, which means holy. So each Shabbat, we mark, with these two bookends, a holy separation. And this is what God is calling us to, a holy separation. Just as Kiddush and Havdalah serve as the boundaries for the holy day of Shabbat, the laws contained in this Parsha and all of Scripture serve as boundaries for us, God's holy people. You see, a thing becomes holy because it has been separated apart for a purpose. Now, there's something called the law of first mention. The first place you see a concept or idea or word mentioned in Scripture is very important because that, that concept is going to carry through with that word or that, that thought for the rest of Scripture. So I always go back to the first time something's mentioned in the Bible. In, in tracing back Abdal, or this separation, um, the, the first mention of this is found in Breshit, in the beginning, which makes sense. God makes several distinctions during creation. He separates light from darkness. Same word being used here. 
he, he makes this distinction between light and darkness, which, in essence, creates what we know as energy and matter. He separates the upper waters from the lower waters and creates space. Then he separates day from night, creating time. But none of these elements are called kadosh. And then we get to the seventh day. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, uh, uh, verse 2 says, God completed on the seventh day his work that he had made, and he ceased on the seventh day from all his work that he had made. All right, verse 3, see if you can hear any of this in the Hebrew. Vaverich Elohim et yom hashavii, and God blessed the seventh day. Vekadesh oto, and he sanctified, or called it holy. For in it he had rested from all his work, which he, Elohim, had created. This is the first proclamation of Kedusha in Scripture. God made Havdalah amidst the days of the week. A section separated out holy unto him. Now why is this day holy? Not simply because he blessed it, but because he separated it out as distinct. Now, the question of why is this day holy automatically made me think of the four questions that are recited by the kids during the Passover Seder. The question that is asked is, why is this night different from all the others? And the answer is because on this night, God made us Havdalah. He separated us out from Egypt. And made us Kadosh unto himself. Pesach is Kadusha because God made it Havdalah from all other nights. Shabbat is Kadusha because God made it Havdalah from all other days. Yisrael is Kadusha because God Havdalahed it from all other nations. And this is the same thing that we are called to as part of Israel. So the answer to my question, am I holy, is yes. And so are you. We have been made holy. God has separated us apart unto himself. He's called us to be a peculiar people. Now, whether we remain holy is up to us. Romans 12, 1 says, I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That word reasonable in the Greek is logikos, which is where we get logical from. He's saying it's the bare minimum for you to do. To assume any less service is illogical. We're called to present ourselves as a holy, living Sacrifice acceptable to God. That's the, that's the bare minimum, guys. But the problem with living sacrifices is that they have free will and often the inclination to crawl off of the altar. Rabbi David often uses an example of fine china when discussing holiness. He says, If you have a set of fine china that you have separated out from all the other dishes... 
and you've reserved for only special occasions, then those dishes are holy to you. But see, once you put the dishes in the china cabinet, they aren't typically prone to breaking out and setting themselves up for service for some weeknight barbecue or defiling themselves at a local crawfish boil. They stay where you put them. If only we were like the dishes. Let's look at another analogy. So we recently had a wedding happen in our, our congregation, Mr. and Mrs. Campbell. So I thought this was a, a timely uh, analogy. Um, the, the Zohar, which is this book of commentary uh, on the mystical layers of Torah. Now, I'm in no way advocating to or to not read the Zohar. I just happened to find this snippet on Chabad.org. So I just want to throw that disclaimer out there. Um, <clears throat> Zohar says that Shabbat is described as the bride of the Jewish people. And interestingly, the betrothal process of a Jewish bride is called Kiddushin or Kedushin and is recited over wine. Becoming betrothed makes her holy unto her bridegroom. And this is what we are. Being separate logically implies borders. God is the God of Habdalah. And being holy unto him means staying within the place he has created for us, inside the china cabinet, so to speak. There is no holiness apart from God. There's no holiness apart from Messiah. There's no holiness apart from Torah. And there's no holiness apart from the Moedin and Shabbat. There's also no holiness apart from Israel. Because all of these things, God says, are havdalah to him, and they are kadosh. Imagine drawing a little circle on the floor, or a big circle, putting all those things in, the, in that circle and putting God in the midst. Every single one of those things he has separated out to himself. And if you want to be in that circle with him, then you're going to be in that circle with all those other things, with Israel, with Torah, with Messiah, with the Shabbat, with the, with the Moedim, the, the, the holy days. You can be separated out from God without all of those things. But you cannot be separated unto God without these things. There's an unbreakable link that I discovered as I was researching this. And the more I searched through the scriptures, the more I saw that there's this unbreakable bond in the text between Kedusha and Habdalah, which is holiness and separation, and it's knit together with Shabbat and, and rest of the Sabbath and, and the Pesach deliverance from Exodus. And that concept is knit together to Israel and their irrevocable call to be Kedusha and Havdalah. And the borders of that promised land that we are invited into is Torah, which he himself, written in stone, robed in flesh, or sent forth from the very breath of God, 
He is Kedusha and Havdalah. And all of this together, this, this package, for lack of a better word, is also overflowing with this element of wine. Every time you see these concepts in Scripture, in Hebrew, there's this current of, of wine that surrounds all of this, either as the blood of grapes or the blood of lambs to the blood of Messiah poured out beyond measure. In Judaism, the blessings and prayers spoken over wine on Shabbat often include mention of Pesach and the Exodus from Egypt, which began their journey to Sinai towards Torah. So many people are trying to have and find holiness in this world that we live in. Not so many. I mean, obviously, there's more that aren't than those that are. I believe that the ones searching for holiness are doing so with an honest desire to find God, to be in his will. But the problem is they're trying to attain it by separating themselves out from the things in God's circle. Shabbat, Pesach, Torah, Israel. The very things that God has called holy the very things that make up the borders of the land he invites us into. Without these borders, there's no separation. To separate a space for yourself literally implies to put up some type of marker or barricade that this square belongs to me. And if you take away the borders, then all the lines get quite blurry. And this is how I believe that holiness gets hijacked and the enemy is able to invade that concept. The ideal or the ideas that the world has invented about what holiness is are paper thin. All those things we talked about in the beginning, the religious external appearance and, the, and you know, standing like this and saying this like this and wearing this this way and doing it this way. That's not what God says holiness is or looks like. It's not about the outside. It's about what's going on in the heart. The barriers that most believers have put up around their holiness are not sufficient. And like I said, they're paper thin. Psalm 62 says this, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall you be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. My soul, wait only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. God is the God of Havdalah and separation. And if you think these things don't matter to him, then take a look at our Haftar this week. Amos 9, um, 7 through 10, he says, Are you not as children of the Ethiopians unto me, O children of Israel, says the Lord? He's saying, 
I separated you out to be holy to me, but you've become common. You've become just like everyone else. You're, you're like the Ethiopians to me. Have not I brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt? And the Philistines from Kaftor and the Syrians from Kerr? God is saying, I'm the one that, that separates the nations. I'm the one that set the bounds of all of those peoples. He says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth, saving that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among the nations, like as corn is sifted in the sieve. Yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. He's saying, you want to be separate from me? You want to take down the, the barriers and the borders so you can be fluid with these other nations? Okay, I'll separate you like in, like in a little sieve. It makes me think of when you're, when you're baking and you take whatever your ingredients and you mix them in the thing and when they come out, no man could separate what went in that bowl. God says, yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. He's not saying not, the least, not one of you will die. He's saying wherever you go, wherever you're sifted, there will be no life-giving fruit grown from that piece of grain. You're going to be cast out into the nations, but there's not going to be any life in it. There's not going to be any fruit in it because you're separating yourself from me. So I'm giving you what you want. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say, The evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. The half Torah portion for Acharemot um, is Ezekiel 22, which we read today. It says, The word of Adonai came to me, saying, You son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? So explain to her all of her abominations. Say, thus says Adonai Elohim, city that spills blood in her midst and makes idols for herself that defile. Her time has come. Skipping down to verse 8. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. Slanderous men are in you in order to shed blood. They've eaten at the mountain shrines. They commit immoral acts in your midst. Verse 13. Now look, I clap my hands at your dishonest gain that you have made. And at your bloodshed in your midst, will your heart's courage stand or your hands be strong in the day when I deal with you? I, Adonai, have spoken it and will do it. I will scatter you among the nations and disperse you throughout the lands. I will purge your uncleanness from you. You will be defiled in the sight of the nations. Then you will know that I am Adonai. Most of us have spent such a long time on the wrong side of that wall. And now that we know better, now that we know the truth, don't continue to clothe yourselves in artificial holiness. Don't give the appearance of, of a pious counterfeit that the world says is righteous. Be Havdalah. Don't straddle that line, not picking and, and choosing, don't live half in what you know was worthless that was handed down by your forefathers. Don't do that. 
Because those of us that know the truth will be held to a higher accountability than those who are still in a system that they don't realize is incorrect. There's coming a day when God's borders will be closed. Revelation 22 says, Then he tells me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, but the righteous still be righteous, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to pay back each one according to his deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. How fortunate are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gate into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and the everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Yeshua, have sent my angel to testify these things to you for my communities. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The Ruach and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes freely take from the water of life. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are written in this book. The one giving testimony to these things says, Yes, I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. May the grace of the Lord Yeshua be with all. There is no gray area in this closing of this letter that he writes to his people. I had a discussion with my husband the other day. We were, we were just kind of talking things through, thinking about, hmm, you know, how do we decide what's, what's good, what's bad? You know, other than, of course, I know you measure it by the scripture, but I said to him, you know, a lot of things are going to approach you, and they're going to appear like they're not bad. That's called a gray area. This is a fallacy. Now, if you ask yourself, is this thing bad? And you say, no, I don't think it's bad. Check and double check and ask yourself, can you say that it's good? Well, if you can't say it's good, then it's bad. Don't believe the lie that something can be somewhere in the middle. That doesn't exist. Now, not everyone will choose to be holy unto him. These are the facts. But only he knows who will make that decision and who will not. We don't know. So don't grow weary in inviting people into the truth. The world hates the things of God. The world is going to mock you. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be persecuted. These things are promised to us. Yeshua literally says, if you follow me, this is what will happen to you. 
Now, this may seem like a foreign concept to some of us, especially those of us coming from church, because I don't, wasn't ever really persecuted for, you know, believing in Jesus and going to church, and nobody really thought I was weird or rejected me or mocked me. But that's because we weren't very effective at shining the light of Messiah. If you choose to be Kedushim, you'll be numbered among the Jews. Counted among the children of Israel. And you'll take on all that that entails, both good and bad. But I hope you do. Because God has one family and he calls her Israel. You wonder why the world hates the Jewish people so much? Because they're separate unto God. And they keep the things that God said are holy to him. Now how much more will the world hate those who also shine the light of Messiah? In addition to keeping the things that God says are holy. Nobody promised it was going to be easy. But anything worth having is worth sacrificing for and giving of yourself. Remember the words that we read earlier, to live, to lay your life down as a living sacrifice is the bare minimum of what you are expected to do. It is only logical. And my prayer is that we all be Havdalah, that we all continue firmly in holiness until his return. First Peter confirms this, and he says, For it is written, Kedoshim you shall be, for I am Kadosh. He's quoting this week's Parsha. If you call on him as father, the one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, then live out the time of sojourning in reverent fear. You know that you were redeemed from the futile way of life handed down from your ancestors. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood that, like that of the lamb without defect or spot, the blood of Messiah. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you are believers of God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your trust and hope are in God. This is the walk. This is what we are called to. The, the gate is narrow. And... As we move further in truth and as we grow in community and as we, we try to figure out what it means to walk out our holiness, there can be no more room for playing. No more room for gray area. No more room for I'll get right next week or I'm going to keep my, my secret sin for now, and then, you know, next year, my New Year's resolution will be to get rid of it. 
enough of that. That's the things you did before. You know the truth now, and you're going to be held accountable. So my, my, my prayer for all of us, including myself, is if we don't have the desire yet to want it, that we tell the Lord, I want to want it. I don't want to want these things anymore. I want to want what you want. And that's okay. That's an honest prayer. And I have prayed that prayer. Lord, I don't want these things, but I want to want them. So, as we do Havdalah together in the next few weeks, as we do Kiddush today, be mindful of what those concepts mean. And I would encourage you to be mindful of their place in, in Shabbat, to start marking that holy day at the beginning and at the end, separating that day out from amidst all the other days. Because it's a, it's a beautiful tradition. Um, and the concept of God making a day for us to be with him is amazing. We, we take that gift for granted. Heavenly Father, we, we just don't deserve the graciousness that you've poured out on us and that you continue to pour out on us, but I guess that's the point. We never could deserve it. Lord, we thank you for opening our eyes to the truth. We know that it was nothing to do with us and our brilliance, but that simply it was your spirit drawing us into this synagogue, into this light of Torah, and honoring the things that you say are holy. Lord, help us to want to be holy to you. Show us what it feels like to you when we're not. Father, I just my prayer is that each heart here today would be burdened and would long to be within your borders. That, that we would see them not as laws or rules, but that we would see them as boundaries of protection, as guardrails. The, the demarcations of your kingdom that you are inviting us to come into. Lord, keep us steadfast. Keep us on the path until your return. We ask all these things. In the name of our Messiah, our King, Yeshua. Amen.